What's up, y'all? It's Kavya, and welcome back to the 38th episode of Women on the Mic. Today, I am so thrilled to have Jasmine Spencer, professional soccer player for the NWSL, join me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. Um, it's wild. It's already 2022. How has the start of the year been for you? Uh, pretty crazy, actually. I think this is the shortest off-season we've had to date. Um, and I got picked up in the expansion draft, as you know, so I'm coming to LA. So it's a big move. I'm in New York right now. So it's been, it's been busy. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to dive deep into, uh, Angel City and things you're looking forward to. Um, but first I just thought I'd start with how you got introduced to soccer and sports in general. What was that like? Yeah. So I have two older brothers. Uh, they both played soccer and my mom played soccer, um, so I feel like by the time I came around, we were a big soccer family already. And uh, that's kind of how we like really bonded and did all of our memorable things when we were young. You know, we got to travel to a bunch of different states, even to different countries. Um, and my brothers were in the ODP program. So, yeah, I think uh, my earliest memories are just, you know, being with my family and out on the field. Yeah. When did you realize like, hey, like I'm good at this. I can kind of take this to the next level um probably around the 99 world cup actually because my brothers were going uh to a summer soccer camp mm -hmm. and it was like three weeks or so before the world cup and so like local news and everything was like you know the women's world cup the u.s women's national team is going to be playing looking for gold um and I was too young to go to the camp. I was eight and the youngest age was 12. Mm -hmm. So um, my mom obviously didn't register me, but the uh, camp director would see me basically like crying, throwing a fit the first two days and be like, this is crazy. Like, just let her come run around. It doesn't matter, you know, at least she can feel part of the camp. Um, so I had to go with the youngest girls group and they were 12 and I was like hanging with them as a little eight-year-old. So I think between that, like being able to play with bigger girls and the hype around the 99 World Cup and then watching them win, I was like, that's what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, speaking of taking things to the next level, you played collegiately at UMD. Is there a moment or like an accomplishment from your time there that stands out to you? Um, I think a couple, I think on a personal level, um, you know, being an all American and then eventually getting drafted was definitely like the best feeling ever. But I think even greater than that was just like what we were able to do with the program while I was there, when I was recruited, um, we were, I want to say like, 190 or something out of the 300 division one programs at a time we we're definitely like in a rebuilding year but the class above mine and my class coming in you know we, we were supposed to be like the game changers and get the program back into like the top 25 and by the time I left we were a top 10 team we had you know wow. made it to the sweet 16 back to back to back actually um we got a number one seed um and we just were able to like do so many good things for the program and uh you know it was really special and I think a lot of us between you know the class right above me my class and just under me like we we hold on to those memories because um it was just such a good time just you know lifting the program back up again 
yeah, I feel like that must have been so rewarding to really be able to build it back up and back to back to back. That's insane. Um, speaking of college athletes right now, with the introduction of the NIL law, a lot of them are using their platforms um, to advocate for certain things and promote certain causes that they're interested in. Um, if, if the NIL law was in place when you were in college, is there like a dream collaboration or partnership that you would have want to have done? <laughs> college jazz probably want, would have wanted to like partner with the Baltimore Aquarium mm -hmm. because <laughs> like I was always so jealous that I could never intern there because my schedule as an athlete was just yeah. too hectic. Um, and that was literally my goal. I was like, this is the summer, this is the the off the spring season, and it just never worked out. So I feel like that would have been my, I don't even know if that's possible, but um, it, that it probably would have been my, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's great. Yeah. Um, following the NCAA, you jumped into pro soccer and you were drafted by the Philly Independence in the Women's Premier Soccer League. Um, and that same year that league was folded and then you jumped into the NWSL. Can you take me through kind of like that journey from when you were drafted to moving to the NWSL? Absolutely. It was like a whirlwind of emotions. I'm sure everyone in my draft class felt that way. So um, I'll start a little bit sooner. When, when I was going to college, there was no professional mm -hmm. um, league in the U.S. established. So you kind of selected your college based off of like, could you compete to win a national championship? Cause that was, that was it. That was the end all be all. Um, and then when I was a sophomore, they announced the WPS. So, you know, then your, your plan shift and your goal shift and you're like, okay, this is, this is it. I want to be a professional athlete. And I felt like I had done everything right in my college career to put me in a position to do that. So when the draft came around and I got drafted. It was like everything I worked for, you know, from that little eight-year-old me, yeah. all my dreams came true. And then it was no more than three weeks later that they announced um, that the, the league was folding. And so it was devastating, you know, for one, that there was no longer going to be a league, but just like, we didn't know if we were ever going to be able to play professionally ever, you know, this was like, over a decade ago, women's soccer was not nearly as big and popular and um, influential as it is now. And so it just like, I feel like the unknown was the scariest part. Um, and, you know, I kind of just trusted the process. This was something that I still was committed to doing. So uh, the only opportunities were really going abroad and I had withdrew from school, so I couldn't, I couldn't finish my degree. And so when the opportunity came back around, I was kind of faced with this crossroads you know do I go back to Maryland for the fall and finish my degree or do I try and go overseas and a friend of mine recommended studying abroad and uh, so I was able to do both I went to Denmark and I finished my degree and that's, awesome. that's where I yeah thank you that's where I signed my first pro contract um I got to play in Champions League and then while I was there uh they announced the the end of myself was formed and so I came back home yeah and it's it's really no question like from 2013 like the inaugural season to now like it's grown tremendously and I think the market for women's soccer has expanded so much especially during the pandemic like I think the championship this year its viewership was up 200 percent compared to 2019 which is you know absolutely insane and shows that like if you give 
this platform to women's sports, people are going to come, people are going to watch it. Um, what do you think are the biggest changes you've seen in the league from like the starting season to now? And what would you like to see continued? A hundred percent the the resources available. When, when we formed in 2013, you know, we didn't have housing, teams didn't have their own training facilities that we were, a lot of us were living in host families. And I think I was making uh, like $800 after taxes. That was my paycheck a month, you know? Um, it was really just a group of us committed to giving the idea of professional women's soccer in the US a chance and kind of putting that burden on our backs because we love the game. And we wanted and hoped that would it would be able to get to the position that it's at today. And we're so thankful, but I think we still have a long way to go. You know, we're, we're still fighting for better working conditions and better pay and that will come for sure. Um, it's just a matter of getting more people invested and, and excited about the product that we produce on the field. Yeah, absolutely. I think like investment is really what's going to drive the growth of the league. And it's so exciting to watch you guys play already, but like the world's the league's oyster. It's going to grow so much. And I'm really excited for that. Um, the NWSL and so many other leagues like the WNBA are really no strangers to using their platform for advocacy and social justice. And you also have your own business and are passionate about the environment. And I don't know, I'm repping, you know, <laughs> um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about Jazz It Up and how you started it and um, why you're passionate about it and its mission. Yeah, I think honestly, my love for the environment um, started when I was really young. I grew up in Long Island, New York, and, you know, spent all my summers at the beach and always at parks. And in the winter, we'd go um, upstate and, you know, ski and snowboard. I just, I feel like I was really connected. Um, and I think that not that many people are aware of, you know, how much we impact the environment and how little changes in our lives um, can go a long way if we all commit to them collectively. And so I, I first started to grow my personal brand when I was in Orlando and I just started with something that was like really personal to me and I would always play in crazy headband. So I started it as a headband collection and it got a really good response. And so from there, I was like, okay, this is it. This is my moment where I've already, you know, found a way to engage with fans through fashion because who doesn't love fashion? You know, it's the easiest way to express yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I, I thought that it was really um, necessary to kind of use that as an avenue to educate and inspire people about the ways we can just do better for the planet and for each other. And so uh, I started to do, you know, like eco-friendly headbands and you know teach people about why I was choosing these types of fabric and you know how this would ultimately be better for our planet and then um, in 2019 when I tore my ACL I had so much time on my hands that I was like I think I can grow this and you know reach more people so I rebranded and and relaunched it as a full sustainable lifestyle brand and it's been really fun and I've learned a lot and um, I think the the coolest thing is just being able to meet like-minded people and, and nonprofit organizations who are committed to the same causes and, you know, just keep adding to the collective unit. Yeah. I'm just moving my hair so everyone can see it. <laughs> I love this. I'm going to be rocking this in all my classes. Everyone's going to be like, where'd you get that from? Um, <laughs> but 
I'll come back to your ACL story in a little bit, but I just wanted to touch on how do you think like sports and the lessons you've learned from sports has kind of helped you as an entrepreneur? Um, oh, that's a great question. I think a couple things. Um, for one, self-confidence and belief in yourself, you know, um, sports and any type of um, recreational activity that forces you out of your comfort zone and challenges you and puts you in social situations where you can interact and learn and grow from other people, I think is really important for like developing self-worth and self-confidence because you learn about yourself. You know, you, you learn um, what makes you tick, what makes you excited and, and what you're passionate about. And I think that, you know, without sport, I don't know if I would have found what I was passionate about in life as quickly or maybe even at all. So I'm definitely grateful for that. And then discipline. Um, I think any entrepreneur would say it's difficult, you know, starting a business and, and taking on so many responsibilities and having to manage the workload. I think being used to, you know, operating on training schedules and balancing a work and class schedule or training class schedule has really prepared me to balance the workload of playing and running my business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Going back to your ACL injury, um, I know that's not a very kind injury. I know a lot of people who have tore their ACL as well. And I also know that the recovery process is as much mental as it is physical. Um, What was how would you describe your mindset in terms of the recovery process and what advice would you give to people who are suffering from injuries and setbacks in terms of like what mindset they should have in order to, you know, come out the other side? Yeah, I think first and foremost, be kind to yourself. Um, There's no way around the length of recovery. You know, it's a long, it's a long uh, recovery process. And so kind of accepting that and and embracing the challenges that you're going to face is is the biggest um, advice I can give. And for me, I think I I am a control freak, which is kind of crazy that I handled my my ACL injury so well. But I think just in that moment, I just accepted that like this was a part of my journey. And you know the the moment I I tore my ACL, I knew I was like my knee is not supposed to go that way. Um, And I was laying on the field and I kind of just had a decision. I was like, am I going to let this define me or am I going to continue to be happy and positive and, you know, passionate jazz? And I just decided that I wasn't going to let it define me. And the rest is kind of just the day-to-day grind of um, wanting to get back on the field and enjoying the rest and time that I otherwise probably wouldn't have gotten, you know, to spend with my family and be home. So there's pros and cons for sure. But I think just like you have to be kind to yourself and you just have to embrace the journey and take it one day at a time. Yeah, that's that's such great advice, not just for injuries, but really for anything. Um, Okay, Angel City. I'm excited to talk about that. Um, For those who don't know, it was founded in 2020. um, And this and this will be the first year that this team is going to play in the NWSL. And some of the founding members include Natalie Portman, Lexi Sohanian, Serena Williams, Candace Parker, Abby Wambach. So many amazing investors and founders uh, are, um, you know, passionate about the mission of this club. Um, so firstly, how excited are you to come to LA and join this team? Yeah, I'm so excited. I think uh, that when the team was announced, um, for one, it's in an incredible market. It's it's LA. Um, but two, when 
when you, the founding list um, was released and you got to see like how many legends and just incredible people were involved in bringing this team to life. I think it was just like so necessary. There were so many things that we were fighting for um, like Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement. It was just like such a wholesome collection of badass women just coming together and like creating this opportunity in this space and saying, you know, we're gonna elevate the sport. We're gonna elevate opportunities for women. And we're gonna show everybody like how powerful and influential uh, this group of people can be. So I think everyone was excited. And I mean, I could not have foreshadowed that two years later and, you know, ahead of the inaugural season, I'd be a part of that roster, but I'm really excited to just play for the city, play for this group and um, put the work in to, you know, basically follow in their footsteps and help break down barriers and, and push a, a lot of the initiatives forward. Yeah, and I think what's so cool about this team is like some of the community impact programs that they have in place. Um, they partner with DoorDash to bring meals to communities. 10% um, of every dollar goes directly towards community programs. And then they reveal that their primary kit is made out of recycled materials, which I'm sure uh, you love. Um, but what kind of impact do you hope this team is gonna bring to LA and the community around it? And what hope um, do, you, do you yourself wanna you know, make on the community? I think it's just another another representation of how beautifully diverse and um, vibrant the city is. And I think, I hope that our style of play reflects that, our roster reflects that, our staff and founding group already reflects that. And the work in the community um, is so important because we are representative of the community. You know, it, it should be a given that any, any organization, whether it's a sporting club or not, embraces the community that they're located in and gives back and, and kind of helps the people along the way who, you know, enabled them to be a part of their community. So it's pretty cool and, and unique situation to be a part of. Obviously, you're going to move from coast to coast and change is definitely not a stranger to you. You've played on multiple <laughs> teams. Um, but I think oftentimes for people, it can be pretty daunting and a little scary to change, not just, you know, teams, but um, jobs or like schools, things like that. What advice do you have in terms of how you can embrace change and kind of make the most of it um, if, if you're fearful? Um, I think just view everything as a new, exciting opportunity and one that you can learn and grow from. Um, yeah, I think last year in particular was very difficult. You know, I was in Seattle at a place that I thought I could potentially retire in. And then um, in numerous changes within the club uh, made it a difficult decision for me to have to leave. But I think in the end, it was the best move for me and my career. And then uh, being in Houston and finally getting uh, used to being there. And then next thing you know, I'm headed to LA. So it's hard for sure. But at the end of the day, I love what I do and um, I love to travel and experience and challenge myself in new ways. And this is just another opportunity to do that. Yeah, awesome, I love that. And before I end, first, I just wanna thank you for taking the time. This was such an awesome conversation, um, but just a fun question. Do you have like a go-to pregame song that you like gets you in the mood to go out there and crush it? <laughs> it always changes. Um, and I have such an eclectic taste in music, but 
I think something I'm going to add to this season is a very random Swedish song uh, by a Swedish rapper that I love. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because (laughs) I don't speak Swedish. Um, But the beat is so dope. I don't know what he's saying, but it's like just a vibe and I get hype. I listen to it in the gym now. So I definitely think it's going to stick around for the game day playlist. Love that. Um, (laughs) I always end my podcast with this question. Um, But what do you think is the most important thing that we teach young women today? I think just love yourself. You know, we're all so different. We're all so capable and have unique qualities and Uh, We unfortunately live in a society that tries to put us all in one box and say that we all need to, you know, fit this one demographic and it's just not true, you know, we're all beautiful, brilliant, amazing beings and I think we should all just embrace our individuality and, and share it with the world. Awesome. I love that. Um, I already know I'm going to be, once the jerseys come out, I'm repping Jasmine Spencer. <laughs> I'm from the Bay Area, but we don't have a team yet. Uh, so I think Angel City is going to be my team. Uh, I, I love that. Catch some games this season. But thank you again for joining me. Um, and I hope you have a great season. Thank you so much. This was great.